A thing that looks like a police box standing in a junkyard. It can move anywhere. Maybe. Concentrate on sin. Give priority to the detectors and the navigation systems. There is a corridor. And the corridor is time. It surrounds all things. On display, I eventually had to go down to the cellar. That's the display department. With a torch. The lights were probably gone. So had the stairs. You are just number six. I am not a number. I am a person. Welcome to British Invaders, episode 443. This is the podcast all about British science fiction television, and this time we are talking about Skellig. This is Brian from Canada. And this is Eamon from England. Hello. Yes, here we are with a 100-minute TV movie from the year 2009, called Skellig, first broadcast here on Sky TV and made by Sky. It was known in the US as Skellig the Owlman. Slight spoiler there, Brian, already. Indeed, and, yeah. And it's based on a very popular, very best-selling children's book of the same name, Skellig by David Almond, which we will get to later on. And it's a strange tale. A child who perhaps has not got the full attention of his parents meets a strange man who appears to be living in a shed at the bottom of his garden. And a strange friendship develops with this unusual character who's living there. Yes, that's right. So let's get into the setup a little more than that. Young Michael and his family have just bought this rundown old house with an overgrown garden and a garden shed. And they want to renovate this old place into the perfect family home in time for the arrival of a new baby they're expecting. And their plans for doing all of this and their doing some of the renovations themselves and so on it goes all astray and gets messed up when michael's mother goes into labor early and they're having to move plans ahead in that way yes and the mom has a baby girl so michael now has a baby sister but the baby has i think an unspecified heart problem and even after discharge from the special care baby unit needs to be readmitted to hospital is probably going to need an operation and the parents who are you know they're good parents but they are understandably distracted away from michael who's rather left to fend for himself He's in a new area. He makes some new friends, particularly with the girl who lives next door. And then, of course, there is this strangely deformed man, this apparently homeless man who he finds living in the shed at the bottom of his garden, the skellig of the title. So let's get into some of the characters. Well, we'll start with young Michael himself, played by the actor Bill Milner. I know him best for the rather splendid film from 2007, British film called Son of Rambo that he was rather wonderful in with Will Poulter. He also turns up in X-Men First Class and I said he played the young Magneto. He plays the very young Magneto, Brian, that we see at the very start of the film in the concentration camp scenes and interacting with the villain Kevin Bacon. Yes, the child version, that's right. Before Michael Fassbender takes over as the next age of Magneto. But anyway, so Michael is this rather... He's our main character. He's a rather awkward boy. He's in a new area, although I think he's still attending the same school. And, you know, he seems to do all right at school, but he's not, it's not his favourite place. And he's very much having to look after himself. 
Mum and dad, as we've said, distracted by the new baby. And as a result, Michael is exploring. And that's when he makes some strange discoveries. That's right. We also have Michael's dad, Dave, played by John Sim, who we've seen a number of times on British Invaders now. But I'll mention him as the master on Doctor Who and the star of Life on Mars. Probably best known for those. He's a taxi driver who is keen to provide a home and, you know, set things up well for his growing family. And he is struggling to keep everything together with the home and the new baby and so on. And he's distracted from Michael and Michael's struggles with everything that's going on. Indeed. And of course, also distracted is Michael's mom, Louise, played by Oscar-nominated Kelly MacDonald. We saw her in one of my favourite episodes of Black Mirror. She was in the Hated in the Nation episode, which I thought was rather terrific. And here she is. And as we've said, this is Louise, like Dave, you know, they're good parents, but they are understandably devoting all their attention to the sick baby. And again, not really focusing on Michael and what he's up to. That's right. Mina, played by Sky Bennett, who was in a couple episodes of Torchwood. She is the slightly eccentric young girl next door who first teases and then befriends Michael and also learns about the man in the shed. So you have these two children who are interacting with this strange character. One of the characters sort of of peripheral to the action but it's important as a confidant for Michael uh, an elderly lady in the hospital where the baby has been treated called the lady is called Grace she's played by the EastEnders actress a very familiar older actress called Edna Dore she is someone that Michael can have a chance to talk to while his mom and dad are visiting the baby and while the child is being treated. She's sort of a wise old head who provides some counsel to Michael, even though she doesn't quite understand or know the details of what's going on with the uh, the man in the shed. And of course, we also have the title character, Skellig, played by Tim Roth, who appears to be a homeless man lying in this shed with a strange-looking face and sort of deformed, maybe arthritic hands and odd bumps on his upper back and the strange diet of things he eats seems quite grumpy and maybe frightening, but befriends Michael. And over time, we learn more about how strange he actually is. We do indeed. A very strange character, Skellig. Uh, we will get into some more details and potential spoilers, particularly when we get to our second episode. Yeah, absolutely. So Michael seems to be a somewhat troubled child, struggling with a new home and lack of attention from his parents. He does have friends at school, but isn't doing very well academically, and he's somewhat picked upon by the teachers and teased by other pupils and so on and he builds this friendship with Mina. He does, yes. You know, as we've said, there's some odd stuff going on in Michael's life, particularly when we get this insect stuff, insects turning up in odd places in his desk at school. There's Mina, as you've said, Brian, this strange girl next door who's actually home educated. She doesn't go to school. 
she is initially sort of like teasing him, but actually provides, again, some insight for him and shares some of her artwork with him. Meanwhile, of course, Michael is trying to figure out who this man in the shed is, what he wants. He knows that the man is asking for aspirin for his his deformed, painful hands. He wants food and beer. He particularly seems to like Chinese food and brown ale. And in return for getting these things for the man in the shed, Michael seems to start picking up a few strange and uh, newfound abilities, most notably in the scene where he's doing the long jump in the sand pit at school and seems to develop a uh, rather (laughs) excellent talent at jumping a long distance, which goes unnoticed by almost anybody else apart from us, the viewer. Yes, that was a slightly strange moment. And of course, all of this, we're wondering who is this strange man and how is his fate somehow linked with Michael and Mina and the health of the baby sister? Yes, and we get things like Michael's father wondering about where the beer is disappearing to and suspecting that his son might be drinking. And, you know, we get into those types of consequences that you might expect from this type of show. And it sort of comes to a head when the father decides to burn down this shed and Michael and Mina then need to move Skellig to a safer place. And we start to learn a bit more about what's going on with Skellig, what the bumps on his back are, and what kind of strange creature Skellig actually is. Indeed. So I guess it's time for us to turn to some production notes about this show, Brian. Yeah, so we begin with the author David Almond, who had published a couple of collections of short stories before writing his first novel, Skellig, in 1998. And now let's talk about the title Skellig and where David Almond got this name from, and also the name of Michael's character, because he was, David Armand was inspired by the Irish islands known as the Skelligs, which lie right down at the bottom left-hand corner, the southwestmost corner of Ireland. Out in the Atlantic Ocean, there are these little spiky islands, spiky rock, sort of like tiny little things called the Skelligs. And one of them is in particular is called Skellig Michael. And Skellig Michael, which gives us the title of this book and the lead character, um, Skellig Michael probably best known now as being where they filmed Luke Skywalker's exile at the end of Star Wars The Force Awakens and particularly in The Last Jedi, the island that you see him on with the character of Rey coming to find him and then train with him is Skellig Michael. And I will just mention, Brian, uh, that as you know, last June, I was lucky enough to visit Skellig Michael, which is fascinating for its archaeology, fascinating for its bird life, and of course now fascinating because of the Star Wars connection. And I was lucky enough to land on the island and climb the 600 medieval stone steps to the dry stone-built monk cells that are still there. It's an extraordinary place, Brian, and it's influenced the title of this 
this book and the character. Oh, very nice. Did you bring a lightsaber? I should have done. And I should have chopped the uh, stone that's known as the Wailing Woman in half like Ray does in The Last Jedi. <laughs> very nice. Now, also, um, and I don't know if this connection was pointed out afterwards or whether David Armand sort of, you know, quoted this inspiration up front. There is a Gabriel Garcia Marquez story, a short story from 1968 called A Very Old Man with Enormous Wings. Is another spoiler i'm afraid this is a sort of magical realist tale of a couple who find the old man of the title and for some reason decide to keep him in a chicken coop and uh you can sort of see parallels here with this strange character who is found in a sort of abandoned old shed or in the book i think it's a garage but very similar yes interesting skellig the novel was an immediate success and won the 1998 Whitbread and Carnegie Awards, both of them, for children's fiction. And Allman went on to become one of the UK's best-known children's authors and also a big supporter of children's literacy. And he actually published a prequel novel called My Name is Mina in 2010, and that was also a finalist for the Carnegie Medal. So some pretty high power stuff going on with the author there very well known over in the uk i read his books with my kids including skellig i read my i read skellig with them when my kids were growing up and some of his later books as well and david armand also adapted skellig himself a couple of times as a stage play for the young vic theater in london in 2003 where it was directed by trevor nunn and david threlfall played skellig and Trevor Nunn wanted to do it because, almost similar to my own experience with the, fam with the family, he'd listened to the audiobook version of Skellig uh, with his family on a long car ride and, in fact, described how when they arrived back at their home, the whole family stayed in the car <laughs> with the engine running and the, uh, the audiobook continuing just so they could listen to the last chapter before they went into the house. So it was a big hit and you can see why Trevor Nunn wanted to do it on stage so that's 2003 at the young vic in london but it also becomes an opera 2008 at the sage in gateshead uh, theater with music by the american composer todd matchover and again david almond he wrote the libretto himself and you've been looking into this opera a little bit brian i did look into the opera a little bit i couldn't resist there is no full soundtrack recording of it available that I can find. The score is actually available for sale. It's for uh, six singers plus a children's chorus, and it's 75 minutes in two acts. Boozy and Hawks has a published version of the score, and there are some short excerpts of it available on SoundCloud, and there's one full scene of it available online as well. The SoundCloud clips are mostly sort of sound effects and interesting musical things they've come up with there but the full scene does actually give you a little bit of the idea of the style of it, uh, the style of the opera and the style of the vocals and such so it sounds interesting 
It seemed like a relatively traditional sort of modern opera, nothing terribly groundbreaking or experimental, but it looked like an interesting one, and that full scene is an interesting thing to listen to, for sure. And if you are interested in the opera version and listening to some of those clips, I will put them on the various social media in the day or two after this episode comes out. So look on the Facebook, the threads, or the Instagram. Yeah, that'll be good. So that's 2008, the an opera version and it's also 2008 that Sky TV announced that they were putting a lot of money into three big high profile productions for Sky TV and that they'd acquired the rights to Skellig to make a film version of it I'll note that the other two high-profile productions they announced, one was something called Chris Ryan's Strike Back, which is not really in our remit at all, but the other one was Terry Pratchett's Going Postal, which, of course, we have covered back in British Invaders 413 and 414. But anyway, Skellig was one of these big three productions that they announced in 2008. Yes, I think this is sort of a period that Sky was really starting to do do a lot of original drama and some fairly big budget productions and so on. It was starting to become quite the force in British television productions. Indeed. The Sky TV production of Skellig was produced by Feel Films for Sky. The book was adapted for screen by Irina Brignall and was directed by Annabelle Frank. Frankel, uh, credited as A.J. Frankel in this case, and probably best known as one of the creators of Max Hedrum, which goes back a while. Yes. <laughs> the music was composed by Stephen Warbeck, who has a long list of film scores that he's composed, including Shakespeare in Love, Captain Corelli's Mandolin, and Billy Elliot. So quite accomplished uh, composer there. And Tim Roth, we have a well-known accomplished lead actor here as well, spent quite a bit of time in the makeup chair having the prosthetics and makeup applied to play Skellig. Yes, because there is a fair amount of uh, makeup and costume for him. And again, there's also some wire work that we see in some of the extra features on the DVD. We can see uh, scenes where they have puppeteers clad in those green morph suits operating in front of a green screen and you can see them having to operate part of the costume and extend various bits out and move them around um, which is quite interesting so there is some visual effects which we'll talk about a little bit more when we get to our next episode and of course for location filming this was this was filmed in and around cardiff with location work at Carefilly Castle and the surrounding mountain areas and wooded areas around there. And I'll just note, Brian, I think, you know, we're well aware this was peak filming period for Cardiff. There was a lot of big productions going on in Cardiff at the same time, notably for us. Doctor Who, Torchwood, and Merlin were all filming at about the same time. Yes, and there were others as well, but yeah, BBC Wales in particular had become quite an operation there. Skellig was first broadcast on Sky One on April 12th, 2009. And I think there's a note on the Wikipedia page which suggests that it may have also had a limited theatrical release after that as well, but I haven't been able 
able to find any more details about that, Brian, as to where it got a theatrical release, whether this was in North America, I'm not sure. So if anybody knows, please fill me in on the various socials. Oh, yes, that's interesting. So that's what we have for the production notes. Let's turn to availability and say that in Region 2, it's entirely straightforward. There's an £8 DVD, which, as I say, does feature some extras, which is nice. So you get some cast and crew interviews, which are quite interesting. And then there's also some makeup tests of some VS. FX videos. There is the inevitable time lapse film of Tim Roth in the makeup chair as the prosthetics are applied. One of those things that I guess a lot of actors have to go through at some point in their career. Yes. And some are able to deal with and others are not. Absolutely. Yes. It does look quite demanding, actually, to sit there while they, you know, these very skilled makeup artists apply all this stuff to you. But there you go. And it stays on for many hours in many cases. Yeah. I haven't found it on any of the streaming sites over here in the UK. So it is the DVD you're after, but it is available to rent as a DVD on the Cinema Paradiso rental site that was originally rented recommended to us by listener Jill R. So again, thank you, Jill. It's nice to have a DVD rental site that's still in operation. Yes. In Region 1, there is a DVD. It's released as Skellig the Owl Man. Runs for $14 US or $13 Canadian. There is a Blu-ray as well that's actually slightly cheaper at $13 US. It is also on Amazon Prime in the US to rent for $5 or to buy for $10. So pretty easy in the US and Canada as well. Good. Nice to have it easily available. I'll point out that the book, of course, is still readily available, widely available in print. And I have, in the last fortnight, read it again. And it is a tremendous read. And I particularly, as I say, I remember vividly reading it to my kids when it came out. It was a very enjoyable family read. So yeah, the book I would recommend as well, Brian. Very good. So that's going to do us for the first part of our discussion about Skellig. Please come back and join us next time. We're going to go into some more details of the story and inevitably we are going to have to stop dancing around the title character and try and get into some more details of who or what Skellig is exactly. So there are more spoilers coming in our next episode. Plus, of course, we're going to talk about whether you should actually watch this film yourself, although I hope you will go ahead and watch it now in between our episodes. Yes, absolutely. And there's plenty of stuff to talk about as well. Until then, you'll find all of our episodes at BritishInvaders.com. Or if you search for British Invaders on Facebook, you can find our Facebook group. Or follow us on Instagram and threads. On those ones, we are at British underscore Invaders underscore podcast. Great stuff. Give us a follow. And come and join in the fun at the Voice of Geeks Network at VogNetwork.com. Voice of Geeks is a network of of podcasts, gaming shows, Twitch streaming, and so on. British Invaders is a member there, so please come along and say hello. Absolutely. So thank you for listening, and this is Brian from Canada, signing off. Yes, thank you very much. Until next time, Eamon in England also, signing off. <laughs> <laughs>